the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, the descendants of Korah are musicians and choral directors in the house of God, which is a remarkable thing when you think about it. And it's important for all of us to get. Because no matter what kind of heritage you came from, all right, if you came from some nasty, wicked heritage, the good news is there's a redemptive God. And he takes generations later the sons of a very wicked man who become worship leaders in the house of God. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick, of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. No matter where a person comes from or what kind of history their family has, God can use them for his kingdom. Pastor Gary teaches us today that Korah had begun a rebellion against Moses. This rebellion was against God's will and ended up with God opening up the ground beneath Korah and his followers' feet, killing them all. Though Korah was a wicked man, His sons lived and gave offspring to men who became musicians for the house of God. From this, we learn that our father's history does not determine our relationship with God. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 84 for part one of today's message titled, Journey Through the Valley. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you out today in the house of the Lord. Let's take our Bibles. We're going to be looking at Psalm 84 today, Psalm chapter 84. So if you will turn there with me. And if you need a Bible to follow along, we are happy to provide one for you. The ushers are coming down the aisles right now with Bibles in hand. So if you, if you need a Bible, just raise a hand and wave in their direction. They'll be glad to give you one. Psalm 84. You'll notice in your Bibles the subtitle. It says, For the director of music, according to Getith, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Now remember that all of the psalms in the book of Psalms are songs. These are songs that uh, still are sung in some synagogues today. This is the hymn book of the Jewish people. And this particular psalm gives us some information in the subtitle. That it is for the director of music so that the, this was led by some kind of a choir director. This was a song that was sung together in unison. It tells us also that this is a song according to Getith. Now this is a term found in... The subtitles of three different psalms, Psalm 8, Psalm 81, and this one, Psalm 84. The term getith is 
a term that is difficult to interpret. Some Bible scholars say it is a word that means wine press. And the thought is that this is a particular song that would be sung as they were trampling out the grapes in the wine press. But most Bible scholars believe the Jewish Targum, which is an ancient commentary on the Hebrew Bible, it's an Aramaic commentary on the Hebrew Bible. The Jewish Targum says the Gittith is taken from a word that means Gittite. The Gittite people were the people from Gath. Gath was an ancient city in Philistine country, which today on a map would be located in the Gaza Strip. But at that time, Gath was a Philistine city, and the Jewish Targum says that Gittith is a musical instrument played by the Gittite people, and that the Targum says, quote, it was a musical instrument, a harp, that the Gittites played that David brought back from Gath, end quote. So, we don't know exactly what the term means, but it's likely that this is a musical instrument and that this psalm was intended to be sung accompanied by the Gittith. It tells us also in the subtitle that it is of the sons of Korah. Now, the sons of Korah were directed and inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen 11 psalms in the book of Psalms. And we've actually already mentioned them before, but just by way of quick summary to make sure we're all up to speed. The sons of Korah are descendants of one man by the name of Korah, who was a bad dude in the Old Testament, friends. He lived during the time of Moses, and he rebelled against Moses, and he also recruited two of his friends, Dathan and Abiram. It tells us in Numbers 16, in this revolt against the leadership of Moses and Moses' brother Aaron. And together, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram recruited 250 to join in this rebellion, kind of this coup against Moses. Well, it was short-lived because God knows all things and God sees all things. And so one day, God uh, said to Moses, I want you to call Korah, Dathan, and Abiram and all of their 250 followers together. We're going to have a little meeting. We're going to have a little meeting. And so they all gather together. And you know how it is when, whenever you take Metro, if you've ever taken Metro down into D.C., and there's this automated uh, woman's voice who comes over the loudspeaker whenever they come to a station. And you hear this voice say, stand back, doors opening. <laughs> and then when you get on, it's like, stand back, doors closing. Well, this is the kind of thing that God did. He said to Moses, stand back, ground opening. <laughs> and the ground literally opened. And Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and the 250 rebellious people with them were swallowed up in the earth. They were just swallowed up in the earth, and then God closed dirt over them. So that's how God deals with rebellion. Take note, all right? So these were some bad people, and as a result, God grounded them. All right. Too soon? Is it too soon? I'm sorry. It's only like 3,000 years ago. But anyway, so God grounded them. You teenagers who think, I can't believe my parents ground me. You, you better be happy that they're doing it, not God. <laughs> That's a different kind of grounding, friends. <laughs> anyway, apparently Korah had some sons who were either too young or didn't join in the rebellion, and so they were spared from this death hole. And many, many generations later now, the descendants of Korah are musicians and choral directors in the house of God, which is a remarkable thing when you think about it. And it's important for all of us to get because no matter what kind of heritage you came from, all right, if you came from some nasty, wicked heritage, the good news is there's a redemptive God. And he takes generations later, 
the sons of a very wicked man who become worship leaders in the house of God. So these are those sons of Korah who were inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen this chapter and ten other chapters in the book of Psalms. I'm going to read Psalm 84. It's only 12 verses, so follow along as I read. The subtitle again says, For the director of music, according to Getith, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Psalm 84 is about a journey. Uh, it is about a pilgrimage. That's the word actually that is used in verse 5 in the NIV in the New King James. It uses the word pilgrimage. Look again at verse 5 where it says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. This is a chapter about a pilgrimage, about a journey. Now, back in the day when this psalm was written, every Jewish adult male was required to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year for three particular feasts on the Jewish calendar. Those feasts were Tabernacle, the Feast of Passover, and the Feast of Pentecost. So every male would make this journey if he was an adult male over the age of 21. It didn't matter where he lived. It didn't matter how far away from Jerusalem he lived. If he lived far away, just had to get an earlier start. But every Jewish male, 21 years and older, were required three times a year to go to Jerusalem to practice and to celebrate these particular three feasts, Tabernacles, Passover, and Pentecost. Now, you could go more than that to Jerusalem. Uh, you weren't excluded from the city, but it was just that those three particular times were the times that you had to go to Jerusalem. And you would never go alone. If you were a male 21 years of age and older, you would always go with a group of friends, or more than likely, at that point in your life, you'd have a family. And so you'd go with your family. No one ever made pilgrimage to Jerusalem alone. It wasn't safe. The story of the Good Samaritan is a story about a guy who was making pilgrimage to Jerusalem along the road to Jericho, from Jericho to Jerusalem. That's when he got mobbed and he got robbed and, and mugged and, and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. Um, it's not good to travel alone. So typically in the day, they would travel in groups. And it wasn't just for safety. It was also for fun. I mean, this is an adventure. You're going to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to travel with some of your friends and companions and family members and neighbors. 
Uh, This is the reason, by the way, that Joseph and Mary left Jesus in Jerusalem uh, when he was 12 years of age and didn't know that they had left him there. Because when you're traveling with a group of people, it wasn't that they were negligent. It's just that they thought he was running around with his buddies with whom they had traveled to and from Jerusalem. And so they thought that he was just among the crowd that they were traveling with. That's why they lost sight of where he was. This this wasn't a social services event. This was just like, oh, we thought he was with the rest of the group we're traveling with. So every Jewish male, 21 years of age and older, would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, that they would go to the temple of God. They would worship God on one of these three feasts. Again, they weren't required to go more than that, and they weren't restricted from doing less than that. But those three times in particular, they were required to go. Now, this might raise the question in some of your minds. Well, if the Jewish people only had to go to the temple three times a year, why do we have to go every week? Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. (laughs) Let me explain to you. There's a difference between the temple of God in Jerusalem and synagogues scattered throughout the landscape of Israel. I don't know if you've ever wondered what's the difference between the temple and various synagogues. Here's the difference. The temple of God stood in Jerusalem. It was a unique building with a unique purpose, and there was only one until it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. It was a spectacular edifice built from the Jerusalem white limestone that was quarried right there. The interior of the temple was paneled and then overlaid with pure gold. It was a spectacular sight to behold. Especially if you would come to Jerusalem from any other location, as you would crest over a hill, you would see perched on this high hill of Mount Moriah, the temple of God back in the day when it stood there, And the gleaming sunlight against the white Jerusalem limestone made this thing shine brilliantly. It was a sight to behold. But it was different from the synagogues. The temple was one of a kind and unique. There was a synagogue in every community where there were at least 10 adult males or more. A synagogue, or in Hebrew they call it Beit Knesset. It just means house of assembly. The Israeli parliament meets at the Knesset. It is a Hebrew word that just means a place of assembly, a place of gathering. The synagogue was basically a community center. During the week, people would gather like it was a community center. And then on Shabbat, on Sabbath, they would pray and they would read the scriptures, the Torah. Now, they would also pray and read the scriptures during the week. Everybody would go to synagogue either every day or at the very least once a week on Sabbath for prayers and the reading of scripture. But the temple was different. In Jerusalem, that would be the sole place where the courtyard would run crimson with the blood of the sacrifice of animals. It would be there at the temple of Jerusalem that a fragrant aroma, the smoke, would rise from the altar of incense to heaven. It would be there at the temple of Jerusalem that the Levites, the priests, would be adorned in their priestly attire. And they would participate in the sacrificial system, and they would also lead the people in worship, blowing silver trumpets from the four corners of the temple courtyard, and the shofar, the ram's horn, and accompanied by cymbals and harps, and they would lead people in worship. None of that happened in the synagogues. You did not sacrifice animals at the synagogues. You did not worship at the synagogues. The priests were not on duty at the synagogues. The temple was unique and distinct, and the most distinct and important thing about the temple, it was where God literally dwelt, where his presence would manifest 
in the interior room of the temple called the Holy of Holies, the presence of God would manifest. Go back a couple of chapters in the book of Psalms to chapter 80. Look at chapter 80 for a moment, and I want you to note with me, it mentions this a couple of times through the book of Psalms, but there's one right close by to where we are. So if you look at Psalm 80, verse 1, it says this, It says, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. Okay, now cherubim were angelic creatures. And God instructed Moses in fashioning the articles for the tabernacle and later put into the temple. I want you to make the Ark of the Covenant, it was a small box, to go in the holy of holiest rooms in the temple of God, And I want you to fashion golden images of these cherubim on top of the Ark of the Covenant, on the lid, called also the mercy seat. And these golden angelic creatures would come up, wings outstretched, pointing to each other. And God said, I want you to adorn the Ark of the Covenant with these images of the cherubim. Because God then would visit, would come in his glory and manifest himself in the interior of this temple between the two cherubim. And into this interior room, the high priest could go only once a year with the blood of the sacrifice to make atonement for the people of Israel. So once a year, the the high priest had the privilege of going literally into the presence of God. So the temple is very unique. All right? And when people make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they're going to the temple of God. And this is a very, very special and exciting moment. That's why the psalmist here writes with the giddiness of like a child on Christmas morning. He goes, how lovely is your dwelling place? He says there in verse 1, he says, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Do you you hear his excitement? I get to go to Jerusalem. I'm making pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. So he's happy about this. Now, no doubt, let's just be real. No doubt, everybody who made pilgrimage didn't necessarily want to go. I mean, come on. Everybody's making pilgrimage. No doubt there were some who obviously wanted to go and there were some who had to go out of obligation. It's kind of like probably some of us here today. Some of you want to come, and some of you had to come. Don't look over in her direction, all right? I know you came because she wanted you to come, but, you know, don't look at her. So I had to come. It's kind of an obligation, you know? Just, you know, Mother's Day's coming up next week, and so I, mean, I got to go. But, you know, here's the good news. I hope that all of us, the have-tos and the want-tos, come together. We worship the Lord. We gather together. We have a good time in God's house and fellowship with God's people. And then we're glad to have been in the house of the Lord when we leave this place. So no doubt that there were some who made pilgrimage to Jerusalem. One of the three times, I got to do it out of obligation. Not this guy who's writing Psalm 84. Whichever one of the sons of Korah is actually penning Psalm 84, he is glad to go to the house of the Lord. He writes here with the joy and anticipation, like this is one of the most exciting things. You remember, you remember the day that you got your driver's license? It's like, this is the most exciting day. You know, and there's always different mile markers in your life where you got your driver's license. And then, and then you know, the, the day you have your first date, the day you get married, the day you have a baby. There are, you know, there are different times in your life where you're just like, these are exciting moments. Where you're just like giddy with excitement and anticipation. That's the sentiment of the writer of Psalm 84. 
He's like, I get to go to the house of God, the temple of God in Jerusalem. This is wonderful. This is marvelous. And, and he even says in verse 3, if you'll notice verse 3, he says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow... I'm back here in 80, chapter 84. He says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. He basically says, I even envied the birds because the sparrows and the swallows, they get to make their nests near the altar of God. They're, they're continually in His presence. You know, whether, whether in fact they've made nests in the eaves of the temple or, or in trees nearby, the psalmist is just saying, I even envy the birds because they get to be near God all the time. And they, and they have their young and their nests and they raise their young right there in proximity to God. Because I, I envy that. I wish I could just always dwell in the house of the Lord and be as close to Him as they are. He adds in verse 10, He talks about how it is better to spend one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. He said, given the opportunity to spend a thousand days at the most wonderful, luxurious place I could possibly think, just give me one day, one day in the house of God. Oh, how much better it is one day than a thousand anywhere else. He even mentions in verse 10 also, he talks about how it is better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. A doorkeeper in Hebrew literally is one who stands at the threshold and looks in. He says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper looking in. I'd I'd rather be on the outside of God's house wanting to get in than on the inside of anywhere else wanting to get out. He goes, "This, this is my dream and my desire to be a doorkeeper. Just let me stand at the threshold and look in to the house of God. And by the way, a good place right here for me to just give a shout out and a word of appreciation to our doorkeepers here at Cornerstone, the greeters who welcome you with a smile and hold the door open as you come and go. Aren't they wonderful? But I want you to notice with me, it's in the middle of this chapter where the tone changes from all of this excitement and all this exuberance. And there's kind of this reality check in the middle of the chapter. Verses 6 and 7. He says, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now what is he talking about here? He mentions the valley of Baca. Underline that or highlight it in your Bibles. It is the only place in the entire Bible, where this valley is mentioned. The valley of Baca is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. And for that reason, most Bible scholars believe that it is not a literal geographical location. Because there's no other archaeological or biblical evidence to support the fact that there may actually be a valley of Baca. And because there is no other reference to the valley of Baca, most Bible scholars believe that it is not a literal place, but that the psalmist is using literary allegorical terms to communicate something bigger. It's a picture. The Valley of Baca represents something. Baca in Hebrew, it's spelled with a K actually, B-A-K-A in Hebrew. Baca in Hebrew translates weeping, mourning, grieving. He says they pass through the valley of weeping. 
He talks about how on the journey to God, there is sometimes the valley of weeping. We're so glad you joined us for Pastor Gary's message today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching in the book of Psalms and that God is whispering the words of comfort and strength to your heart. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you can hear all of Pastor Gary's messages through this book, as well as the entire Bible. Be sure to check out the companion resources while you're there, found under the Teachings tab. These digital study guides are meant to give you even more insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done and are available free of charge to you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about how God is working in your life. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook page or check out what's going on at Cornerstone Connection on Twitter or Instagram. We're here to chat with you in person too. So give us a call at 703-771-1500. Let us know how we can be praying for you That number again is 703-771-1500. That's all we have time for today. Pastor Gary will have much more to share from his verse-by-verse study through Psalms when you join us again, right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.